Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to the Shunstadt Way of Life podcast. I am your host, Julia Monin, author of the book, The World is Noisy, God Whispers. This is the podcast for January of 2022. Pray your Christmas was blessed and you're off to a blessed New Year as well. And with New Year's blessings, I must say, I have a special treat for you this month. I have a guest with me on the show, and I want to just give the backstory before I turn it over to her. I want to give the backstory of how the Lord and His providence and His goodness brought this together. And I also want to give a great thank you to the guest who joined us. Actually, the guests plural who joined us. However, one is incredibly quiet and so you won't hear her at all. Okay, so I'm chuckling and I know they're chuckling too if they're listening to this. Um, So anyway, yes, I had a providential meeting scheduled with two of the Shinstadt sisters who live in uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin, Sister Isabel and Sister Gabriella. And they uh, they reached out to me late last week and asked if we could get together to, to have a meeting to talk about some things. And of course, I was open to that and we scheduled the meeting and after we had it all situated, and Sister Gabriella made the Zoom link and got the meeting all good to go, I was able to um, email them and remind them of, you know, Father Joseph Kentonick's words in some way, you know, a very popular quote of his, which we hear often, and in all situations in life, learn to give a joyful yes. And in bringing those words of our founder to their attention, yes, I had an agenda when I was doing that. Um, I, I said, would either of you or both of you, since we're going to be having a meeting anyway on Zoom and we have that capability of recording you know, the audio as we go, once we're done with our meeting, would either of you like to be a guest on my podcast for this month? Because the 18th of the month is going to be here soon and I don't have anything recorded yet. And we would all love to hear from you, I'm sure, right? So uh, we chuckled about that. And I, of course, I didn't force them into this or anything. Um, Sister Gabriella said, oh, Sister Isabel would love to do that, right? To which I'm sure they chuckled about that on their own. But long story short, Sister Isabel was willing to offer us something to consider, to reflect upon as we as we begin the this, this new year, this new month. And she gives us a little insight into um, January 20th, what that means for the movement, and also ties that in to, again, Father Kentonick's words in all situations in life, learn to give a joyful yes. So let's open together in prayer, and then I am just going to turn it over to Sister Isabel. Thank you again both for being willing to be with us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I trust your might, your kindness, Mother dear, I do believe that you are always near. Shunstadt's great queen, O mother mild, I blindly trust in you and in your child. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So yes, Father Kintonik speaks of giving a joyful yes. And of course, we know that uh, for those of us who probably have read from his life, we can see how throughout his childhood, his youth and adulthood, he went through numerous moments of suffering and great suffering and detaching from his mother as a child, then afterwards the crisis that he suffered through his seminary years, and then later on in going to the concentration camp of Dachau, and not least of all, the separation from the work that he had founded when the church put him to test, which was the right of the church to do that. and. And we can see how he had to give a joyful yes throughout his life. But many, many uh, people can, can also testify to his joyful way of uh, 
teaching people of how to cope with suffering. And in that regard, his joyful yes to, to suffering and to any kind of situation sort of replicated or has multiplied throughout the world by, by just simply teaching people to bind themselves to the Blessed Mother in a covenant of love. In her, we say yes in a joyful way. Because the Blessed Mother was capable of giving that joyful yes, um, we see her at the Annunciation giving her yes. We see her many, many difficult moments in the life of our Lord and how she continued to stand by him, giving her joyful yes and not least of all then under the cross. And as he ascends to heaven and leaves everyone alone down here on earth, uh, for as much as the Holy Spirit may have come upon them, they didn't have the Lord. And that detachment must have been difficult for her too. So from the Blessed Mother, we learned that, that way of saying a joyful yes. I think, and we can probably go through Father Kentonik's life to, to see the proofs of how this way of saying a joyful yes was something that he learned from our Lord, but very much so from the Blessed Mother. And one episode of his life where we can definitely see how he gave a joyful yes is on January 20th, 1942. For the Schoenstatt family, it is what is called the second milestone in our history. It is a moment of a, of a powerful inbreak of the divine. And just to kind of give you a feel for the meaning of, of that event, um, a couple, a family, a person in the, in the maturity of life, when you reflect back upon certain events um, and significant moments, relevant episodes in your life, you, you tend to, to highlight those moments when you had to make difficult decisions. Very often that's the case, not always. Usually you look back into moments when something happened, something that you couldn't avoid but moments when there was something you could have avoided or, or something where you had certain decisions in your hands, you had to judge, you had to, to, to evaluate, you have to really um, weigh things and come to a head until you actually had to step into a totally new environment, um, time, stage in your life. That's what happened on January 20th for Father Kentonish. And I think we can learn from him to give a joyful yes to, to moments when we have to make decisions and not only embrace just whatever happens to us, but to embrace a, a very conscious and intentional yes to the will of God. I'm going to go through this and I'm going to embrace it to the very last um, consequences. Very often that can mark a milestone in our lives. And that's how come we call January 20th such a milestone. Father Kentenich had the, the possibility, the option, let's say, of stepping out uh, of the transport to Dachau. He had been incarcerated in the city of Koblenz. He had been in prison for some time. And then came the moment when we knew it, would, it, it was a fact. He would be transported to the concentration camp of Dachau. Father Kintenich had suffered um, from, from a long illness during his earlier years in, in, in his early priesthood in the 20s. And he had one lung that had collapsed. 
And among the people, the Schoenstatt family, the priests, the sisters, most of all, and the leaders of the Schoenstatt family that wanted Father Kentenich to, to do all that was in his human power to not to be transported to the concentration camp of Dachau because that could definitely mean um, sure death eventually. Among the efforts that they took was the, the effort to find a doctor that would certify that he was uh, not fit for the concentration camp. And they, they did have uh, such a doctor um, who would gladly certify that, was a relative of one of our Schoenstatt sisters. And, and at that point, Father Kentenich was in the prison cell in Koblenz, and from there he could see up to the tower window of the Carmel prison, the Carmelites, the, the Nazis had turned a Carmelite convent into, a, into prison cells. And from up there, the sacristy up above, up in a little corner, um, the leaders of the Schoenstatt family and the sisters too had found a little corner where they could actually, from where they could see Father Kentenich's window. And from there with signals and and hands and eyes, they would communicate with him, um, letting him know. And at that point, they were able to figure out enough hand and sign language to say, we do have the doctor, sign it please, sign the certification. So yes, Father Kentinich had the possibility of not going to the concentra concentration camp of Dachau. As he pondered upon it, and, and as he himself says, yes, the possibility was there, um, and yet the Schoenstatt family had, had developed quite well up to that point. We had a number of communities, we had a number of branches, we had people who were very, very faithful. We were in a moment of, of, of expansion, and of course the war came at that point. And for Father Kentish, what was at stake was not so much his life, but the life of the family. And, and you could actually even think of a watermark over, these, uh, over this particular episode for the family, for the good of the family, for the good of his Schoenstatt family, for the good of what God had called into existence through him as an instrument. He thought, if God has used me as an instrument to bring up into existence, such a family for the church. And that this has happened up to this point. If I have been willing and able to give my life, my strength, my time, my talent up to this point, what if God is asking of me to give also my death, to be willing to die for it? If I am not willing to die for it, then what kind of a founder, or not, not even founder, I don't think you thought in those terms, but what kind of a, of a person would I be that I can be <laughs> willing to bring it up to this point and not willing to, to give my life completely for it to the very end? Otherwise, he thought I, it, it would be irresponsible from my side not to be willing to give my, my life for my family, for the family that God has called into existence through me. And with that in mind, and totally secured, anchored in the covenant of love with the Blessed Mother, he then took the step and asked the Schoenstatt family to, to dare a death leap 
of mind, of will, of heart along with him. And he thought, for the freedom, for the inner freedom, spiritual inner freedom of the Schoenstatt family, of his followers, meaning up to that point, men, women, priests, sisters, for the inner freedom of the Schoenstatt family, I am willing to give up and renounce my exterior freedom so that the Schoenstatt family can grow deeper into the conviction there is a supernatural reality that guides us, that protects us, that governs us, and that continues to providentially care for our present, past, and future. And totally convinced of the reality uh, of our covenant of love with the Blessed Mother, then he took that step and wrote a letter to Father Menningen at that point, who was responsible for the Shasta family in the meantime, asking him, please understand my decision in light of my faith and our faith in the supernatural world, but also totally counting on what he called the interwovenness of fate. Yes, what happens to me affects the rest who depend on me. What, what a parent does uh, affects the children. What a child does in the family affects the rest of the family. And so this interconnectedness of destinies has, has a, a, a play, a role in, in all of this, plays a, a big role in the history of salvation of any community, of any family. And deeply convinced of that, then he asked the Schoenstatt family to understand his decision in his deep faith in the supernatural reality, but also counting on the fact that what the others do the decisions that the Schoenstatt family does can affect him, but also the decisions that he makes can affect the Schoenstatt family. And in this case, knowing that it will be God and the Blessed Mother who will step in and, and, and complete the work. And deeply anchored and, and sheltered in that conviction and, and, and in the goodness and mercy of God, then he made the decision not to sign the certification and rather um, go to the concentration camp of Dachau and let the Blessed Mother take the steering wheel from that point on and totally, totally convinced that the Blessed Mother will come through. And that was the case. In, in April of 1945, he, he was liberated and arrived in Schoenstatt on May 20th, 1945. So he arrived in Dachau in the spring of 1942 and arrived again, returned to Schoenstatt in May of 1945. So that decision uh, <clears throat> became for him a, a turning point in order to recognize his position as a founder, but also as a father of the family, knowing that what what a father does for a family, um, nobody else can do. <laughs> where, where a father stands, no other person and no other element of the family stands there. It's, it's an irreplaceable position within a family. Um, and we can think in, in many terms how, of course, there are many types of families that we have nowadays, and yet, there is what Father Kenton spoke of, the father principle. In, in some way, we have to secure that that figure of the father 
is is protected or somehow um, made up for in a way, because a father gives gives security, um, points in in certain directions and, and gives a, a certain sense of of belonging and of authority that is always complemented and supplemented by the by the authority and and, and care of the mother who comes from a, another perspective let's say and, and with a different mode of of exercising their authority so the the episode or the event of January 20th 1942 teaches us quite a bit of of the essence of Schoenstatt again the deep um, faith and conviction in the providential care of God, our faith in divine providence, our n interconnectedness of, of destinies or interwovenness of faith, knowing that we are here in solidarity, what we do affect one another, and therefore we have the capital of grace. <laughs> mm -hmm. with, with our contributions to the capital of grace, we can enrich. We have such such a spiritual richness for one another that quietly we can do so much for one another without even having to to say much mm -hmm. i can offer a little sacrifice a, a little renunciation a prayer a rosary a mass for someone and know that the blessed mother will take care that it will somehow have a good positive repercussion in the life of someone else <clears throat> also the freedom the aspect of inner freedom how father Kenton saw it as the highest most valuable treasure that God has given to each one of his children, inner freedom. And for that great big treasure, Father Kentenich was willing to go to the concentration camp of Dachau because Christ himself was willing to do a lot for that mm -hmm. great treasure of inner freedom. And two other things that Father Kentenich would very often stress when he would recall the, the event of January 20th was generosity. It was a deed of generosity. There are moments when we cannot stay at the level of of the common ordinary uh, humdrum fulfilling of duties. Sometimes we have to step out of out of our comfort zone and and embrace with, as I said at the beginning, with a a very conscious, intentional yes be aware of the consequences that this may bring and step into that and cross that threshold hanging on to God. That's what Father Kentonich did. And that, that calls for generosity. That's really going beyond the call of duty. And lastly, he would sometimes speak of it was also a deed of discipline. It was a deed that demanded of him um, renunciation to, to mortify himself in some way and and indeed we are probably not called for great deeds of renunciation and mortification but there are little things that we can do in everyday life to increase grace and blessings in the life of other people um, allowing someone to change the channel on the tv when i'm watching it um, letting someone um, tell me about a problem that they have told me already 10 times and here i should listen and, and it's good for that person to be listened to, or 
many other things that we can do, just being present by someone next to their sick bed. And there are many little quiet things, pouring a cup of coffee, giving a smile, a good morning. There are so many tiny little things that we can offer. And it takes a, a bit of discipline, a gentle, good, kind discipline from our side. So that's in a nutshell um, what January 20th was all about and what we can learn from it. Oh my goodness, wasn't that so good? So much to think about, so much to ponder, so much to uh, praise God for. I know when I was listening to Sister share all of that the first time, there were multiple occasions where I wanted to pick my pen up and write some things down, and also where I just wanted to enter into prayer and to reflect about all that she was saying so and sharing with us. So hopefully the Holy Spirit was at work in your hearts in the same way. Again, I thank Sister Isabel, Sister Gabriella, all the sisters who work so hard to, um, you know, just to glorify the Lord through this movement. So thank you all so very much, and thank you guys for tuning in. Until we meet again next month, know that I am praying for you, and I humbly ask that you keep me in your prayers as well. And now let's go ahead and close with our um, consecration prayer together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Queen, my Mother, I give myself entirely to you, and to show my devotion to you I consecrate to you this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, my entire self without reserve. As I am your own, my good Mother, guard me and defend me as your property and possession Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.